Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cohen's Corner. We are well on our way through spring training. Um, games are being played, and we are, as Mets fans, we're really enjoying it because I know Jake and I have been talking about how we've loved watching all the new Mets kind of, you know, make impressions this spring training so far. But we want to start off this week's episode by talking about maybe someone who's made the biggest impression of all, and that is their new manager, Buck Walter. So we're going to get into talking about Buck Walter, the impressions he's left on us so far, the spring training, what we've enjoyed seeing from him, as well as kind of touching on, you know, some of the other topics that have come up during Mets spring training so far, whether it's, you know, Max Scherzer throwing like five and six innings in his first two spring training appearances and all sorts of other excitement between him and Jacob deGrom pitching in the same game this past weekend. So we're going to talk about that and also just get into a few other kind of baseball-related topics. We'll see where the conversation takes us. But in general, we're enjoying spring training. We hope you guys are too. So, Jake, I know that obviously you've been a huge Buck Showalter advocate since basically the day we started this podcast. And, you know, I have to say I have really, really enjoyed what I've heard from him this spring training. I feel like he... And I feel like the team's vibe has kind of reflected this. He seems very relaxed, but also extremely focused and detail-oriented. So I'm wondering kind of what the, maybe the biggest impression you've gotten from him so far this spring training is, because he's told a lot of really fun stories, which we can mention, but also I feel like he's been very perceptive about both the high-profile Mets players and also kind of recognizing the value in some of their less high-profile players, which are also, you know, everyone takes up the same amount of space on the roster. So I've, I've found that very, very nice to hear from him. Yeah, I think he's been as advertised. I mean, before he got the job, we'd hear about him all the time, how he's very detail-oriented and he's always very prepared. And, uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I expected. I mean, but just looking at the way he goes about things, and it's cool, like, he, he renamed the fields or, like, renumbered them, I should say, and, like, he's kind of just putting his touch on everything. But I really love, um, if you saw the story that came out about what he did with Keith Hernandez last week, and mm-hmm. Keith, I guess, um, with the old regime, the Wilpons, they didn't really want Keith around the players. I don't know if it was they felt threatened or whatever the case was, but uh, Keith had said basically since Bobby Valentine was the manager, like, that was the last time he was really around the players, which, I mean, doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, like, Keith's a great player. Like he's an all-time great Met. I don't know. Wouldn't you want his wisdom around your younger players? I don't know. But anyway, if you didn't hear the story, Buck Showalter kind of saw him at the facility, asked him to get in the golf cart with him and wanted people to see that Keith Hernandez was with Buck Showalter. And he said that Keith's, uh, Keith's met royalty and he should be able to go wherever he wants. And this is his team. And uh, I just love that. I love that we're embracing like the old Mets players and even we're having the old timers day this year. I mean, it just things that seems that things are changing. And yeah, Buck Showalter is a big part of that, but don't forget about Steve Cohen. Like he's pressing the buttons, a lot of these behind the scenes and like making things happen. Or if you saw the thing he sent out to season ticket holders, the box kind of commemorating no, the 60th that anniversary so of the Mets. That looks so cool. That yeah, looks really I cool. Know. Um, it's, it, they're just doing things differently and hiring Buck was, is right along with that. And I think that was a great move. And I just, it's a great time to be a Mets fan. We say this every episode, but just things are, uh, things are really looking up. You know, everyone appreciate our good vibes now because if the season goes south, I guarantee you we won't be as positive in a few months, regardless hey, of how happy we are. That's what spring training is all about. Good exactly. Vibes. Spring training every year, everyone feels like their team's going to go 162-0, and 0, and yep. that uh, we're included. But yeah, no, I thought my dad and I were talking about this last week because, and that kind of goes along, the whole thing with him and Keith, like, that goes along with what Buck Walter kind of said in his intro press conference, which is, you know, if he has access to information, he wants to use it to the best of his ability. And you know, Keith Hernandez has worked for the Mets in some capacity for like over 
like 20 years, I feel like. Because I think even before he worked full-time at SNY, he did some like fill-in announcing occasionally. And, you know, he's been around the team for a very long time. And, you know, he's employed by S- – he's at the stadium every day for home games. And, and now this year they're going to be traveling again, so he'll be there for away games as well. And so, it, you know, it kind of makes sense with what we've heard about Buck Showalter. Like, you have this fountain of knowledge, not only about hitting, but also about playing defense – around the team constantly. So why would you not want to take advantage of that? And that could give the Mets an advantage over other teams having this, you know, Hall of Fame caliber first baseman that is around the team so frequently. So yeah, I I hadn't really known. I'd always thought it was kind of puzzling how like his role that wasn't, he was never really like around the players in that way on the field before now. And, you know, it makes, I guess it makes sense. It doesn't really make sense, but the fact that there was some hesitation from kind of the old regime. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why other than the, I, I don't know why, but we you know don't why? really because have to they're the will ponds and that's why. Well, that's, no, yeah, that's the easy no answer because it, it doesn't make sense. No it doesn't make any sense. Like no, what, what did make sense when they were owners? Like, cause I mean, did they think that players would like see Keith as like more of a manager figure than like the managers? No, they yeah, I don't like, know. No, I don't, I don't know. That's it's I mean, very there was puzzling. times like I remember like a long time ago, Jose Reyes got upset over a comment that uh, Keith had made about him like on TV or whatever. And that's going to come with it. And I think that's the excuse the Wilpons used. Oh, Keith's a media member and media members can only have a certain amount of Yeah, access. exactly. But he's not, he's, when you he's think of just Keith Hernandez, you don't think yeah. of him as being part of the media. Sure. He's on TV and he's calling games, but he's not your typical media member. He's Keith Hernandez. Like, yeah. come on, you, that's just stupid. I know. That whole story, I was just like rolling my eyes. But thankful for the current state of things, but also rolling my eyes at the past state of things. So, yeah, that was that was very interesting. But, you know, I feel like – and I also have appreciated, I think, some comments he's made about, like I was saying or a little before, other – like all these players on the roster that, you know, presumably he – Showalter just met like a few weeks ago when spring training – and when the lockout ended and spring training started – you know, even talking about like Luis Guillorme and how important he is to the team, which he is very important to the team as a utility infielder who can basically play any infield position. And even talking about like Eduardo Escobar, you know, we've heard we've heard a lot of great things about Escobar kind of when the Mets signed him from other players. But just talking about these players on the roster and the positive impacts they've had. And I, I think I've just and I feel like he's had just really good things to say about a lot of the different players so you know, not just obviously he's been asked a lot about like Scherzer and DeGrom which we can get into a little bit more but I think he seems to have just a very acute awareness for the value of every roster spot and the value that everyone can bring to the game and realizes that you know every player is important in their own way and I think I think he'll I feel like we'll see that kind of seep into the season with players being extremely focused on winning and realizing that they have an important role to play, even if they're not an everyday player. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you saw any of Steve Gelbs' interview with Dom Smith in game the other day, and uh, they kind of asked him what, what's been different this year. And uh, Dom just kind of pointed to the small details like that buck will have meetings with the players just to go over like ground rules and crazy situations that you wouldn't really think of, but that happened in games like a lot. You know, and he's just kind I didn't of, see that he's oh, bringing in new knowledge and like kind of just going over the small things. And that's what Dom Smith said. He said, it's the little things like we're really he's hammering down on the little things. And that's something that they didn't do in the past. And that's kind of telling about, yeah, they might they like Luis Rojas as a person, but it didn't seem like he really had that leadership or like he was doing all the little things. And I mean, clearly. But yeah, so it's just like 
even the players, like they're pointing out just the small things. Mark Hannes said stuff about it. Uh, Lindor, Lindor's had several one-on-one meetings where he's been very impressed that he said with Buck Showalter and how prepared he is. So, I mean, yeah, I think this is the best guy they could have got. They want to win now. And this is the manager that I think is going to help them do that. Yeah. I mean, again, obviously there's going to be inevitably questionable things that happen during the season. A pitcher will be brought in that we don't think will be brought in like blah, blah, blah. Those things are going to happen. Those in-game questionable moves are going to happen. They happen with any manager, but I also think, you know, perhaps even more important than some of those in-game decisions are the leadership that a manager with the experience that Buck Walter has can provide to a team that has a lot of young players, but has a lot of veterans as well, especially this year's roster. I feel like, you know, there's play, there's not going to be that many rookies, I feel like, on this team. And so I think the leadership he can provide to players that have a lot of experience, that he can teach them even more about the game that they already know. And yeah, that's an interesting comment because I didn't actually see that interview with Dom, but I feel like, and Dom Smith, I feel like is a person that, you know, he seems to be just very grateful for his time in the Mets organization and loves, you know, he seems like a very laid back person. But so for him to say to like, to point that out about there's so much more that I feel like, yeah, that Buck can provide that maybe other managers wouldn't be able to impart on their team. And, you know, like we've been saying, there's good vibes all around, hopefully in spring training a lot of the time, but, but yeah, I've just appreciated that. And also just the kind of general candor that he has, you know, talking about just like telling funny stories in like post-game press conferences, whether, or even like the in-game interview he had where he's talking about his appearance on Seinfeld, which happened when he was like the Yankees manager and he and Keith were like going back and forth on that. Just the experience that he brings, I feel like comes out not only in his baseball knowledge, but also just his general kind of, (laughs) I guess, stories that he can tell about all sorts of things. So I've pretty, as a fan, like it's been good content for us, but I think that will kind of also seep into like, the players appreciating everything that he he brings to the table. Yeah, I agree. And the team, they're only going to go as far as kind of as far as the players take them. And I mean, it's nice to know that obviously, yes, they went all in on the manager, but they've brought in several key players as well. And I don't know about you, but I've been very impressed with who they brought in. I mean, Escobar, Showalter kind of told a story about how Escobar went over to the minor league side and told him the story of his journey to the majors. And like, he didn't have to do stuff like that. And it's just obvious they brought in high character guys and Mark Canna, man, that guy just grinds out at bats. Like he puts together good at bat after good at bat, whether he uh, As ever flies out, yeah, that's or whatever what though, but like he's, he puts together a good at bat. And I mean, He's showing off his power. That's the thing. And I don't know. I just, I love the, I, like you said, it's spring training. There's or even Chris Bassett, there. like the comment he made the other day too, someone was asking about his con like, Oh, cause because he and the Mets didn't agree to a contract like before arbitration deadline. So they were going to like have to go to arbitration. And basically he was like, he was like, yeah, I don't like give a shit about my contract. That's what I pay my agent for. Like, I'm just yep. here to play baseball. And I just feel like, That's you know, awesome. we've heard, we've heard great things about him so far as well, but I don't know. I've also, and I haven't actually watched a ton of him. So I think he's pitched in a couple games that like weren't televised or were like sim games or something. So I don't think we've really seen a full, unless I may have missed it. I don't think we've really seen a full SNY broadcast of a Chris Bassett start yet. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing like what Gary Keith and Ron have to say, or if he does like an in-game interview, like what he has to say to Steve Gelbs as well. But from what we've seen from him in like locker room interviews too, he, he also seems like someone who's very, you know, very focused and very about about the team and I've I really liked what I've seen. And that was a later edition too. That just happened a few weeks ago. Oh yeah. 
but which we talked about in our last episode. But it's the only kind of big move they've made after the lockout. I mean, they signed right. Adovino too, but dude, Marte, how about Marte coming back? I mean, I was kind of getting worried that maybe he wouldn't be ready for opening day, but he looked really good in his first game. He he scored on a I think it was Marcana hit a bloop in the center, and Marte read it great. He's got great speed. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a problem putting him in right field. I think he's got so much speed so that if he gets a bad read because he's not used to being out there, his speed will be able to make up for it. But He's a really good left fielder. I mean, obviously, he's been playing center the last couple of years, but he's a phenomenal left fielder, and I think left field is a harder position to play than right. So I, I don't think uh, he's going to have a problem out there. I don't think so. And I also feel like, too, especially for the corner outfields, like Nimmo has definitely improved defensively in center, but I feel like Marte has a better arm than Nimmo does. And so almost having him in a corner for like that reason might be a little bit more valuable because you tend to be like, just farther away. Like, I feel like the quarter outfields are more often making throws in that are like are two specific bases or to home than center fielders are. So I don't think it's, I know people were saying like, Oh, Nemo's going to play like a corner because now they have Marte, but I kind of feel like any of the three of them provided that they're all healthy, knock on wood, like could play any of the outfield positions. So, you know, it hopefully Marte in right field is like kind of the most, they're getting like the most value out of him there. Um, so yeah, and I get. I think I was away like recently, and I didn't see the game that he actually came back for. But I know a lot of the comments I was reading were kind of very impressed with his overall baseball IQ, which I know that was something we talked about last year with Baez, and like that was an element that he brought to the team was just very good instincts. And I feel like if that's something that Marte also has, that could be an additional important element. That yes, the Mets didn't resign Baez, so you know he's gone. But if they can keep bringing in players that not only are you know have very obviously bring different like skill sets like that are more tangible but also just are very intelligent baseball players and I feel like that that's a very important element too just those little things that don't show up in the box score that if if that's something that Marte can bring which it seems like based on what I've read and based on his first game that he can bring then that's that's another really important element too that doesn't show up necessarily in his stats but something that you actually if you actually watch he hopefully can be able to bring and his speed will help with that for sure yeah you're right and that's a great point and I didn't really think about that that much when they lost bias we were saying that how his instincts and his great base running and they're kind of they're not going to miss a step because of having his more sliding play. ability which we yeah, raved like, about he's those just so things. smooth like his whole game is 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 uh very smooth I can see a lot of similarities actually in both their games obviously they play very different positions but yeah I've loved what I've seen out of all the new additions I mean and let's get to Scherzer and DeGrom I mean the fact that, I mean, it was great having Jake. He's going three innings, but Scherzer's an animal. Going six innings, I know he's been five in the first couple of starts, but he's already at 90 pitches. Like, that's awesome for opening Is day. Is he going to be ready to throw, like, 200 pitches, pitches by opening yeah, day? Oh, like, my God. That's the thing. He'll never he have to be go. taken out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's – it's he's just so old school. And, I mean, DeGrom is similar. I mean, it's just because of his injuries that we're kind of having to be really careful with him. But I just love that old school mentality and nobody's going to tell Scherzer that he's not going to be ready to throw a hundred pitches on opening day, you know, and he wants to be able to go at least seven innings on opening day. And you love that. Like that's, I can't wait his first game against the nationals. That's going to be so cool. But yeah, well, well, I don't know what your thoughts were, but I just thought that was a great thing to see. And hopefully the next time we see DeGrom and Scherzer pitching in the same game, it's a playoff game. How great would that be? You know, because that, that's all, only, only I was daydreaming. I'm not going to lie. I've been daydreaming about it. Like, yeah. I don't want to get too that's ahead the first of thing that came into my mind when it happened yesterday. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. And I think it was Steve Gelbs on TV saying that um, it probably wouldn't happen again. But I'm thinking, well, you never know in the playoffs. Like, definitely Scherzer, I could see him. He did it last year for the Dodgers coming in relief in a playoff yeah. game. So, I mean, that would oh, be man. 
best case scenario. Right if there. we get there, I, I was I was daydreaming about that. I was daydreaming about clinching celebrations involving Scherzer and Degrom because we had some great interviews with Scherzer oh, last yeah. playoffs <laughs> after clinching. So I, so again, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But look, we're allowed to dream. That would be some of my most watched videos ever if if those do end up coming to fruition. But yes, it, this is going to sound silly because Max Scherzer is like a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retired tomorrow. But like, I still didn't realize like how how much he is until like he started pitching for the Mets. You know, not just in like how good he is, but just his general like demeanor, whether his it's intensity. on the mound or like it's in the dugout, unreal. his intensity, but also like, cause he also, he seems like a nice person. Like he seems like a very, like a friendly person, you know, when you actually like watch things with him. When he's and I've watched some like, start podcast appearances really where he seems like, you know, extremely fun. And even those other interviews we were just talking about, but I, I didn't really, I've never fully paid attention to like the Max Scherzer experience in the same way that I That's have now. <laughs> like he's an experience and I don't think I really fully grasped that until watching him for my team when I'm not just like hoping that he falters for the other team that the Mets are playing. And that's been I, just like the gravitas that he brings. Like I can't remember in recent years, like anyone with that kind of, demeanor the Mets haven't had a player like that in so long and they need that I mean yeah it's great and I mean maybe from afar it seems like it's more of an act like some people I never thought that but I can see why somebody would think that but now that we're getting the chance to watch it every single day it's not an act this is who that this guy is he's just an intense bulldog like that's the best way to put it and you're right it's an experience like it's a full-on experience and uh, it's still you got to pinch yourself as a Mets fan to think that I still can't pitching for us like it's, it's honestly it's so cool it's I kind of want anytime he starts, I want like a camera on him the whole time. Like whether it's even like between innings, just like see what he's up to in the, I don't know. Cause I just feel like, yeah, I've never been so, so interested in like everything a pitcher is doing that like the Mets brought in and until I've watched him like the last couple of starts. And unfortunately his first start wasn't televised, but you could see even in like the highlights and just listening that kind of that same environment. But yeah, I, I didn't fully yeah, the Max Scherzer experience, I have very much enjoyed so far. And it, it's also really cool, too, to see, you know, something else, not to, for me to, like, casually break, bring up Jacob deGrom again, but it is relevant in this case. Just, like, hearing the, the way Jacob deGrom talks about Max Scherzer is the way, like, every other pitcher talks about Jacob deGrom, which I think is really cool. Like, he's talking about, like, learning. You know, you would never know that he was, like, a two-time Cy Young Award winner based on, like, how he talks, how he's talked about him in interviews where he's like, I, I mean, some of this, obviously, he's going to say, but just the way he's like, oh, you know, he was, like, telling me to, like, throw my curveball more, so I, like, tried to work on it. Or I, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer, so I want to learn as much from him as I can, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was like, you, like, could be also, like, it's just funny hearing the way he, like, talks about him. I was like, I feel like this is what everyone thinks of DeGrom. And in a way... This is going to sound silly, but as like an analogy, I feel like DeGrom has been in like his own, he's finally in like a gifted program at school where he has like a friend that's as like as smart as he is that can like challenge him because I feel like he's been kind of, even though the Mets have had other good pitchers in recent years, like obviously, but I just feel like he's been kind of on his own pedestal on the Mets for like a few years now. And now I feel like finally, yeah, there's like someone else either it's like a teacher in the gift i haven't really fully thought through this analogy no, but either there's like a friend now that's like as smart as he is in this gifted program that can like really push him and challenge him but to like think about things differently on that level that would be really able to push him like that and we're just 
it's that, you know what I mean? It's Max Scherzer. Like they couldn't have went and got, I can't really think of that many other pitchers. Maybe if they had a guy like Garrett Cole on their team, like the Yankees do. I mean, or maybe if they had like signed Kershaw, it would be yeah, something Kershaw, like that. But, but like Kershaw is at Kershaw is not at his peak. I feel like Scherzer is still able to perform at his peak, you know, and it's just different. Like they couldn't have brought in a lot of players that are going to be able to like match Jacob deGrom for what he is. and Or like Scherzer challenge him that. to be better somehow. Yeah, because there's been a debate yeah. the last like few years. Who's the best pitcher in baseball? And a lot of the times it's either Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer, depending on who you talk to. So, I mean, the fact that they're both in the same rotation, we're going to get to watch them back-to-back days probably all season, hopefully. There's no injuries. I mean, that's all you can hope for is that they're healthy. But, I mean, it's going to be a thing to watch. We've got to appreciate it as Mets fans because you don't know – you don't know. They're both getting older up there in age. You don't know how long we're going to have, who's going to stay healthy. So when we do get to see them, you got to really uh, appreciate it. Right. Exactly. And yeah, because if you look at like the Cy Young voting also for the, since like, even since like DeGrom, I mean, because DeGrom, even before he actually won the Cy Young in 2018, was on like received Cy Young votes in several of his first few seasons. Like if you look at the Cy Young balloting over the last eight years, like they're both on it very frequently and again when Scherzer was on the Nationals and the Dodgers last year you know yes I appreciated him as a good pitcher but I again he was always a competitor so I was never so like I knew he was very good and like a future Hall of Famer but I didn't really realize how much he can yeah like bring to a team and we haven't even fully seen it yet because it's just spring training but I'm, I'm interested also to see you know, I feel like we often hear about like pitchers influencing pitchers and like position players. Like, you know, I feel like there's some, they're in the, kind of their own groups just because of how they like condition themselves and like prepare for games. It's they have different roles on a roster. But I'm curious to see like what the position players have to say about like what Scherzer brings. And maybe we'll get more of that once the regular season starts and we hear more kind of about like the clubhouse dynamics. But because I feel like we've mostly heard about Scherzer from other pitchers, and I'm cur- kind of curious to hear at some point from like Pete Alonso, but like what Scherzer has brought to the team so far, or, you know, cause we haven't gotten a ton of that yet, but that'll be interesting to see like how that plays out, what, how like the influence he can have not only on his fellow pitchers, but also just on the team as a whole. And hopefully we get like some of that insight. Yeah. Because he, he like for Alonso, right. He's on the same team as him now. So he can kind of give him his secrets. Like this is how I've attacked you in the past. Like these are the weaknesses I've kind of noticed in your swing or whatever. And I mean, yeah, that could be invaluable to a hitter. If a pitcher of Max Scherzer's like caliber is going to be able to break down at bats against each other with them. I mean, who knows what that can do, especially for a young hitter. And there's a lot of young hitters on this team. And especially when guys come up like a Brett Beatty or the fact that Scherzer's probably getting to work with a Francisco Alvarez, like that's big for these young players. Like that's just, I mean, you can't really replicate that anywhere else. So yeah, like you said, that's just not only working with the pitchers, but the hitters as well. Yeah. And I actually think it's, it's funny mentioning that Pete Alonso just came to mind. Cause I actually think his first game ever was against Max Scherzer. He like, got his I think first, his, first, his first at bat. I think he struck out in his first ever bat, which yeah. was against him. But I think he got a hit in his first game against he him. Did. Though, so. He did, yeah. So, anyway. So yeah, we'll, remember we'll... that? That game, uh, Cano. Cano in the first inning hit a home run off Scherzer in his first game. Oh, my God. You're right. Oh, my God. I keep forgetting about Cano, to be honest. Yeah. I like. I know he's played in spring training so far, but I keep like kind of forgetting about him. But like is, is he going to DH every day? Because if Dom Smith is going to be able to hit like I know Dom Smith can hit, I want to get him some at-bats. Like, what? I don't know. Obviously, that's where Cano's going to see the bulk of his time is at DH. But and Cano's kind of already saying like, "Yeah, I think I should be able to play the field and stuff." But he's not going to be playing second base every day. No, yeah, because he just doesn't have. 
I feel like, I mean, Jeff McNeil is just a more, at this stage of their careers, a more athletic person in the field than yeah. Cano is. So and I Cano feel like. good the last time we saw him, but he was on PEDs. So how do we right. know what's real and what isn't? Like, that's, right. He might a, be on them again for all yeah, we know. That's what I'm like, saying. It's a fair who, question. Like, who knows? How do we know what we're going to be able to get? I'm sure. I'm sure the context skills are still there, but who knows where the strength is. If yeah. he's going to be hold up injury, be able to hold up injury wise, like. We don't know these things. I mean, until we see them in a full season, we're, we're not going to know, but it's a fair question to ask. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. Again, that's one of those things that like, that's a great problem to have, like finding oh, everyone. Yeah. If they're all hitting, finding people at bats. And we so, know it's going to, people are going to get hurt and it's, it's going to work itself it'll out. It'll sort it itself does, out, but, but that's definitely, yeah, that, that will be never have too much depth. We've learned that the last couple of years. Yes, absolutely. And that's been sure. burned by not having depth. So, right. But, but having, you know, Dom Smith, hopefully, I mean, again, you can never really tell with spring training because it's like, it's all in like warm weather. So some that does affect like hitting, but I mean, I have, you know, Dom Smith is a player that he, he didn't have a good year last year, but I think every Mets fan just is rooting for him to like have a great season, especially after we were hearing all off season. Oh, are the Mets going to trade him? Are they going to trade McNeil? Are they going to trade JD Davis? And like, as of now, I don't think any of them. Yeah. I'm surprised that not none of them have been traded. traded. I thought at least so, one of them, probably two would have been gone. I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I'm not really saying didn't... it's a bad thing, but yeah. I just, I thought it was a fait accompli that at least one of them was going to be traded. Right. But like here they all are. And especially yeah. Dom Smith, like someone who clearly loves the organization so much and has, we really seen him grow from, you know, he was a first round draft pick to having like a lot of issues in the minor leagues. He's had the whole like sleep apnea problems and has now gotten over that. And then he struggled last season, played through torn labrum into shoulder, which we learned recently. And, you know, he's someone like, I feel like I, I'm always rooting for obviously because he just seems like, such such an asset to the clubhouse and when he's hitting can be a great asset to the roster so it's it's been nice to see him great insurance policy in case god forbid something happens to alonzo plug in the hole right away you know like you well absolutely because if you lose alonzo out of your lineup like that's a huge loss but you have a guy like tom smith that if that were to happen he can step right in and he's a better defensive first baseman than alonzo is i mean but it's nice to have a guy like that that you can just kind of pull to that can also play a corner outfield spot if needed he was you know what because we talked about this he, he was serviceable he got a in left field where he started as an outfielder to where he ended up it's night and day right and i don't i don't and think that's i would a testament to his that. work ethic and like yeah what he wanted to accomplish. So good, good for him. And just wanting to be, you know, wanted to be as valuable as he could in yeah, any way. He didn't have a choice he, because once yeah. Alonzo emerged, like he wasn't going to be playing first base. Like it just wasn't going to happen. So he had to be able to figure out something. And right. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what his role will be this year. Again, like we were saying, it'll probably sort itself out, but yeah. Right. Having, having a bunch of players that are having a bunch of major league caliber players that all can hit well, is a good thing. So like, well, hopefully I, I think that won't be, that's not a problem. That's never an issue. We'll just have to see kind of how the lineups shake themselves out based on, you know, who they're playing, what the situation is and, and the schedule. But, but yeah, I guess there's maybe something we could talk about. Is there one Mets player who like hasn't really gotten that much buzz or press this spring that you are particularly looking forward to seeing, or just are curious about seeing this season? Because you know, we've been talking a lot about Scherzer. Obviously, there's a lot of relatively high-profile Mets that we've touched on this week and last week. But is there any player that you, we, like, haven't heard a lot about that you're most curious to either see in action or just kind of 
see how their season goes. From a pitching perspective, uh, I got I got one for a pitcher, one for a hitter. From a pitching perspective, I'd probably say Seth Lugo. I feel like we really haven't heard much about him this spring, and I believe he's in a contract year, so like this is a big year for him. So I think um, I think he's going to have a really good year as long as he stays healthy. I think he'll be really good. Um, but we really haven't, or maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't personally heard much about him at all. I've seen him appear in a couple games, but I really haven't heard anything about him. And from a hitter side, I know we've heard a little because he's new, but Eduardo Escobar, I feel like he's kind of been overshadowed by some of the other signings. The other day, I was, it was either ESPN or MLB Network, and they showed key additions. He wasn't even listed as one. I'm like, this guy was an all-star last year, and he was a huge boost to the Brewers when he went there. Like, he could be a really, really good player. So He's going to be the everyday third baseman. baseman, Yeah. And I think he's going to do really good things. He could hit you 25 home runs, 90 RBIs. Like he can do that and he'll play a solid third base. So I'm really excited to watch him play. I've liked watching him from afar, but now to get to watch him play every day, I'm I'm really excited about that. Yeah, no, Seth Lugo is a great one because, you know, he's been such a kind of force in the bullpen for the last few years. And last year wasn't his best year. Like he just wasn't, he wasn't as dominant as we've seen from him. And I know he came like came back in May from the injury. So we didn't see like a full season of him, but you know, if, if he has his curveball working, which is like his bread and butter pitch, then he's an extremely important part of the bullpen, especially since they didn't haven't made a ton of additions to the bullpen. So, you know, I'm definitely interested to see what he brings. I'm also interested, interested to see what Drew Smith can bring because he was also injured for a part of last year, but has shown, and he, he pitched pretty well in the like appearances that he had. Again, didn't really pitch a full season due to some injuries, and he's had injury problems throughout his career. I think as he was, well, he was when the Mets traded Lucas Duda a bunch of years ago. Drew Smith was like the prize return from the Rays, and we've kind of seen flashes of that. But then he had Tommy John missed like parts of two seasons, and you know I'm interested to see what he can develop into this year. I feel like this will be. I've always been like a big fan of him just because I feel like he kind of flies under the radar in the bullpen and maybe rightfully so since he has been kind of injured the last couple of years, but you know, I'm interested since the Mets bullpen is so like righty heavy at the moment, you know, Drew Smith is a right-handed pitcher and, but I, I don't know. I'm interested to see what he can bring because I feel like he, you know, he's not perhaps as, as has like as potential to be consistently dominant as like a Seth Lugo, who I feel like just has that track record. But I'm interested interested to see what he can bring to the bullpen this year as like and part of like the stable of right-handed pitchers that they seem to have with like Lugo and well Diaz, obviously, and Trevor May, who they have for this year again. And yeah, and Ottavino and yeah, so they but I, I feel like he hasn't gotten talked about. I don't even know if he's pitched in many games so far. I've seen him. Actually, I think I he's dealing with some like foot soreness or he was I dealing him, with like he something. Pitched, he pitched the other day, I saw him pitch. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, I think that's a really good one as well. And this is going to be a big year for Drew Smith because we've seen him and we've seen him do well in some flashes. But I'd like here to see and him there, in, kind yeah, of. Yeah, but I'd like to see him in some actual like high leverage situations. Yeah. And then be able to really assess how good of a pitcher he is because, like you said, he's had a lot of setbacks. He would start going, then he'd have Tommy John, and then he came back and he's had several little nagging injuries. And but yeah, and he's kind of went back and forth between AAA and the majors. But when he's been on the team, yeah, he's he's pitched really well, and that's a great call by you on the Lucas Duda trade. And that feels like so long ago. So it's nice that uh, whoever we did get out of that deal, that's that year we were shipping off so many people. It's nice to have somebody in return that's that's kind still of here contributing to the team. Yeah, but I think you're right. He could be a real underrated middle reliever for them. And like we keep saying, injuries are going to happen eventually. And I'm sure in the bullpen there will be some. So it's going to be a big year for him to be able to show himself in high leverage situations. And 
I mean, we see plenty of players late in their – not late in their career, but they get a late start to their career and are able to kind of carve themselves out as a really good reliever and kind of come out of nowhere. So I don't see a reason why Drew Smith can't uh, be the next guy to do that. Exactly. And, you know, I feel like I've just – I've kind of seen, you know, in, in the appearances he has had, I feel like he does have – you know, his pitches, I feel like, can play in high leverage situations. He doesn't, hasn't always succeeded in those situations. But I feel like for the most part, and again, maybe I'm just misremembering, I feel like for the most part last year, if he, like, I forget exactly what his ERA was, but he seemed to do well in, like, relatively high leverage situations. Or just, I don't know, I just have a good impression of him. He did, like, yeah, he did. The last season, which I haven't actually backed up by looking up his exact stats. But it seems like... I mean, depending on how the rest of spring training goes, I'm assuming he'll be in the opening day bullpen. Like, I'm assuming – I don't know who – I because I guess – it seems like he has a spot on the team. Yeah, and I so think again, he does. Yep, I would so think he would. I, I don't I'm, – I'm hopeful that he can kind of maybe even become a little higher profile this year than he has been just by – depending on what situations he comes into, however they're going to use him. I mean, I see him as, like, potential, like, eighth inning – reliever you know i think he i think he could live up to that so yeah we'll see how that goes too. and i think that's what the mets envisioned when they traded for him i mean he, they traded a good player in lucas duda for uh i mean obviously mets fans have their opinions on lucas duda but he was a 30 home run hitter and he was good for us he let us help lead us to the world series but yeah so drew smith that's what they were hoping he could be is a high leverage reliever so let's see if he can do it like you said he, he was good like he was good last year i think his era was in threes somewhere but yeah, let's see if he can over a long season pitch in several high leverage situations and come out on top because there's no reason he throws hard. Like there's no reason that he can't and his stuff's good. He should be able to be an effective reliever for a long yeah, time. Yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, I guess in terms of position players, well, you mentioned Escobar, who was a good one. I'm kind of curious to see like what Tomas Nito brings to the plate this year because he hit like pretty well last year. The thing is, I think we talked about this last time. Like I anticipate he's going to get a lot of starting catcher time. And, you know, we know that he has a really strong arm behind the plate and is generally a very good, like, caller of games and good defensively. But I'm kind of wondering if, like, his bat is going to take another step forward this year or, like, what we're going to see from him. Because I kind of do it, like we've been saying, I anticipate that, like, James Pican is not going to be starting every day. And, like, I feel like Tomas Nito is going to be – I feel like he's become really beloved by Mets fans over the last couple of years just because of his, like, presence on twitter and he just seems like a very fun person so i've my appreciation for my appreciation for him has skyrocketed just because of like since kind of following him on twitter and seeing how funny he is but also in like he had a really good defensive season last year just in terms of like framing and also his arm he's throwing out runners in seconds from his so, knee he's throwing out guys consistently right and so but i'm wondering i'm like is and obviously they have francisco alvarez in the wings probably for the next year or two so I'm kind of – I'm wondering, like, like that would be an interesting element. If, like, you know, Tomas Nito, he can hit. I don't see him as, like, a really – his bat as, like, a really, really strong addition to the lineup when he plays. But I also feel like when he plays, it's not – he's not an automatic out by any means. But that's someone I'll – you know, hope I'm, like, hopeful that maybe – I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, hoping here. But that'll be interesting to see, like, can he hit well enough to actually be an everyday player? like this year maybe because i feel like if he hits and mccann doesn't then like why shouldn't he play like most of the yeah. games i don't know I agree. yeah i agree but i feel like it could go both ways like yeah i'm hoping mccann is going to be the player whoever hits better should play more and that's, that's the thing well, hopefully that's they can both hit well because i think we've seen over 
I mean, Nito's had a shorter career, but over both of their careers, I mean, both of them are better when they're not playing every day, you know? So if they could both effectively split time, I feel like that's what the Mets will really be looking to do. Because look at McCann when he's had his best seasons. He wasn't the – he was close to the everyday catcher, but he kind of had more of a platoon role. I mean, look when he was with Chicago and he was with Grandall and he was good. Like the two of them were really good and they were kind of splitting time. So in a perfect world, I feel like if they could both kind of handle their own. I mean, we signed James McCann to be an everyday catcher, but I don't know if – we're really ever going to get that out of him. I mean, it's only one season. So to judge the guy off one season, because like Lindor, I don't think Lindor is what he was last season. We got to give him a lot more. So, I mean, let's see also with McCann. Yeah. Right about Nito. I think, but I think it could go either way. I think either of them could kind of prove themselves early on in the season and uh, gain more playing time. Yeah, exactly. That'll be interesting to see. Um, So we talked a lot about like new additions to the Mets. I'm wondering, is there any, like, this is kind of switching topics a little bit. Is there any like former Met, on another team that you're like most curious about how their season will go? I mean, Syndergaard's the obvious one. I mean, even if he was on the Mets, obviously I'd be very curious, but I mean, just coming off his injury, we saw him pitch two innings. So I want to see what kind of pitcher he still is. It sucks. He's not with us, but I, I don't know. Steven Matz in the national league. Are we going to tell Oh my God. I forgot about Steven Matz on the Cardinals. I completely over. forgot. Because I've, I've watched, like, a couple of their games so far, and he hasn't been pitching in either one. I, like, completely forgot that he was on the Cardinals, to yeah. be honest. So we'll see. I mean, the Mets kind of rocked We him haven't heard anything about him. And all that drama that happened with he, he was going to sign, he wasn't, and then Steve coming <sighs> That was up. so silly. Yeah. That was the start of the Mets avalanche. for the Yeah, Rolls. exactly. That's where the ball started rolling. So, I mean, I don't – that's great. Let's Steven Matz stay in St. Louis. But, yeah, maybe maybe Steven Matz. Um, I don't know. Michael Conforto, is he going to be a Met? Oh, my God. Where is he going? That's what I'm saying. Is he going to stay on his couch? Is he going to go play independent ball? That's what I'm curious about. Where the hell is Michael Conforto going? Well, I'm flabbergasted that he still hasn't signed. We were talking about this 10 days ago when we were flabbergasted, and I'm still shocked that – It's it's got to happen any day now. Like, the season's about to start. Somebody's got to sign him. But how is that good of a hitter? Like, obviously, we – He's a good player. Like now, I'm feeling really defensive for player. him. Like, like he's a good player. For everything we say about yes, he's inconsistent stuff, but like he's a solid player. Like I know, and like in, I think the White Sox just yeah. had an injury to like one of their outfielders. Like Andrew Vaughn got injured and like is going to miss opening day. That's what I thought. I thought he was going to go to the White Sox originally. One of their outfielders. So I'm like, all right, guys, like someone swoop in at this point. Like someone swoop in, so we don't have to keep hearing about where he's going to sign. Because now I'm just like. And now I just want him to like be somewhere. Like I, I don't know. I know we were talking. We were. Just and he's a good defender. It. It's not like he's a short yeah. outfield. Like he's a really. No, good he's got, I feel like he's gotten even better over the last few years too. He like he he's a really strong arm. Real plays. He really does. He made a bunch of highlight reel plays last year. I know. Now I'm feeling like I know last week we were talking about how we didn't really want him back, but now I just like. Yeah, but we both like him. I like, like Michael Gunford. What's everyone doing? I want him to do well. I want him to get a good contract somewhere. I mean, well, if he I know. Back, fine, great. But I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to lose sleep if he signs somewhere else. But I mean, I, the only team I was going to be pissed off about would have been the Phillies. But after they already got Schwarber and Castellanos, they have enough. The Bash brothers. Need, yeah. They don't part need, two. They don't need Conforto now. So, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to get signed somewhere. I mean, uh, it's just, it's crazy that I understand with the lockout and everything, but still. What is Boris he's doing? He's the biggest what name is... left out there. I mean, how, I know. how is he not signed? I, that just, I'm that flabbergasted. Sense to me. I know. Cause it's like literally every other free agent has signed. This point. Like, even Tommy Pham signed with the Reds last week. Yeah. So I'm like, everyone else, every well, other John, outfielder like, is off the market. Michael Conforto is a better player than Jock Peterson. I know Jock Peterson helped with the Braves going to the, or winning the World Series last year. Yeah. Michael Conforto is a better player than Jock Peterson. He's a more, he's a much he more first. I mean, he has more skills overall than Jock Peterson. Yeah, I mean, especially defensively. Yeah, Jock Peterson has more power. That's about it. 
Right. I know. I'm it's very curious. We'll keep saying it until he eventually signed. Like, is yeah, this going to we'll be see. a situation like, wasn't there like the Kimbrel situation a couple years ago where yes. he didn't sign until like June? I'm like, is that going to happen? What? I don't know. Like, what, you're telling me a team can't use an above average defensive uh, corner outfielder who can also hit you close to 30 home runs a year? You don't need that? I, Somebody I, doesn't I'm need just, that? That's what I'm saying. I'm so surprised. Like, I refuse to believe that all 30 major league teams. Uh, and again, there's some teams that don't spend money. So assuming that, but I refuse to believe that like all 30 major league teams have their rosters completely are satisfied 100% with their outfield spots. Like there has to be, is there suddenly not a spot for him? Like, no, there is like, that's yeah, not but, true. But if you're Michael Conforto now, are you kicking yourself that you didn't take the qualifying offer? You would have had 18.4 million in the bank for one year. And, and he's coming off a more down year for himself this past year. Wouldn't you have wanted kind of like, it's easy to look back now and say this, but to build up your value. And I mean, I guess he didn't know what kind of market was out there for him or lack there of a market for him, but man, like the, I feel like he kind of should have taken that for himself, you know, like, or the deal the Mets offered him like last year, even like apparently. think how different would the off season be if we were giving Michael Conforto $18.4 million. Like who wouldn't, I guess we maybe Canna. We would maybe not uh, different at all. I mean, they may not maybe, have signed Canna. That's about it. Or but, Mark. But Marte, if you're Michael but... Conforto, just personally, like what? I don't know. I it's think baffling. Looking back, he should have probably taken that deal. Like, yeah. Well, well even gets, but yeah. I mean, if you told me when the Mets gave out the qualifying offers, like I didn't necessarily expect him to take it, but I also thought if he didn't, he would have been signed already. Like if you had told me back when the Mets gave out the qualifying offers that like Syndergaard wouldn't have taken it and would have signed with the Angels, and then Conforto still wouldn't be signed by like almost April, I would have. I would not have believed you. Or I, that feels so long ago that the Syndergaard signing and the whole qualifying offer. I know. That, right? Doesn't that feel like so long? That I, know, feels, I mean, I know like it is a while ago. It's what, four or five months ago. But, man, that feels like a long time ago. Because he was one of the first players to sign kind of in yeah, that it was, general right, it was November. The, the qualifying offer is the first thing that happened. Yeah. He declined it and signed with uh, the Angels. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that does seem like a long time ago. And yet. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if if the Mets have any games. Well, they are going to Anaheim this year, so that will be interesting to see if yeah, he starts seven lines going out there. That'd be cool if Syndergaard ends up pitching that game. Yeah, great. yeah. I feel like that would almost be too poet. I don't know. Maybe it'll happen. I guess I'll just see how how it lines up. I'll I'll hopefully watch whatever whatever day that is. But yeah. So before we go, I just one more thing I want to talk about, not uh, Mets related, but I think it's a really cool story, and that's Albert Pujols going back to the Cardinals for his last season. Um, Obviously, as Mets fans, we have a, still hold a grudge a little bit from 2006. But, I mean, you got to appreciate greatness. And Albert Pujols is arguably the best hitter of this generation. And it was – I mean, him and Miguel Cabrera, I would say, kind of – Trout's a little – you know, he's younger. But the generation of Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, they're kind of in a class on their own. Um, but it's great to see him going back to St. Louis for – and he said it'll be the last year of his career. Mm-hmm. He just him, made that announcement today, yeah. Adam Wainwright to get to finish together. I feel like that's a really cool story. Yes, as as a Mets fan, who I say like good riddance to that trio, but as like a baseball fan, it's 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 nice. It's very poetic, you know. It it's nice that like their players like him and also Zach Greinke, who went to go who signed with the Royals, who where he started his career. Like seeing a couple of really iconic players from the last fifteen years. Well, Pujols longer, but Greinke for like the last fifteen years going back to their first teams. It's it's a nice it's a nice thing, especially for those fans too who I'm sure there's Cardinals fans who like were angry when he didn't sign with them in 2011, but like, they're all going it, to, it's, it's just a nice thing. And who knows what type of role he'll have this year. I mean, I don't think they have like 
a franchise first baseman at the moment. Yeah, like Paul, Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, Goldschmidt. I'm stupid, of course. So they have Paul Goldschmidt. You know what it was? He hasn't played like the last couple of games or like he didn't play today. So I forget what it was. But the so DH the, helps. They'll be able to get him. They, at yes, the DH. that's true. That is true. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he has on the Cardinals this year. But it, it'll be nice for him to have like a, a swan song in St. Louis with then he, Yachty, and maybe Adam Wainwright. Maybe Adam Wainwright will pitch till he's 50. I don't think yeah, he's officially I feel announced like this he's will retiring. Be Adam Wainwright too. It, I mean, it would just be. It'd Come make on. Enough sense, right? It's, it's time together. It's time. It's yeah. time for them to go. They've had great careers, but it's time. Let's hang it up, all right? It's, fellas, listen. <laughs> it's it's been a while. I all respect, but yeah, I I think that that's a really nice thing. I'm sure Cardinals fans will will embrace him wholeheartedly. I know he had a really nice like. I think he like came or onto the field at some point earlier today and got like a huge ovation yeah, that, from the spring training crowd. Yeah. Which you know again, it's one Cardinals of those things. fans are the best. Yeah. I think they're the best fans in baseball. They're they're so smart, like their baseball knowledge and just their appreciation for their players. It's just it's unlike anything. I mean, they're just right. they're great fans. And they, and the team, well, the team goes back over a hundred years. They have such a rich history yeah. too. Yeah, it's a nice lot of iconic have a lot players. To root for it's easy, I guess. <laughs> right. I mean, Pujols is probably their most iconic, like modern era player. But yeah. they've had so many really iconic players over the year like bob gibson and like stan musial and yeah. it's definitely history wise they're a great team to root for because there's a lot to unpack there but also you know i've never been to a game where they were the, i don't think i've actually been to a game where they were well i've been to mets games where they were the away team but i've never been to a game in st louis so maybe one day i'll cross that stadium off my bucket list but yeah that is a nice thing yeah seeing yeah him going back to the cardinals Greinke going back to the royals who actually i think Greinke was pitching today too but yeah, His game was televised, so I didn't see any. But that'll be interesting. I'm sure the, I know the Royals have a very like young pitching staff, so hope I'm sure he'll provide a lot of like valuable mentorship to them, oh, yeah. which will be nice because I, I don't think they have. I know they have some kind of up and coming pitchers, but not a ton of like really nailed down people in certain spots in their rotation, from what I understand. So, so yeah, and it'll be nice to see. Yes, the retirement tour will I'm sure be glorious. I'm sure they'll have games against the Mets that, like, yeah, we'll we'll be saying good riddance, but, you know, they are – he's an iconic baseball player who has – I've always liked – you know, I've never really had anything against him personally and as a player or a person. So that'll, that'll be nice to see. It, it was kind of sad when he was, like, released from the Angels last year, so then I was glad when he got, like, picked up by the Dodgers. You know, I was like, hate – I was like, that can't be it. You know what I mean? He can't just be, like, released by the Angels in the middle of the season. So – yeah, we'll see. Maybe he has another glorious moment this this year that'll help It'd make cool that last they, season. As long as it's not against us, if they make the as long as it's not like as long as it's not as long as it's not against us. Memorable moment like in the NLDS, and then we play the Cardinals in the NLCS, get our revenge to close out all their careers. How cool would that be? Oh my God! Can That'd you can you imagine the Mets playing the? Let's just let's let's. Let's set the scene for now. Hey, if Mets, we're in that situation, I'll be thankful. So let's. Get if a, we make it to the NLCS, I mean, I would love for the Mets to win the World Series this year. But like their careers, mm, that would be something. That yeah. would be amazing. The poet, the full circle moment. Yeah, I can the picture Mets in my head now. The Cardinals Ready? In Ready? This is what's gonna happen. Alonzo okay. set the scene. The ball. Lars Numbar, he's going to have like one of those. Remember, he had that insane catch last year. Oh, Lars no. Right, oh, my so God. He's, he's going to have an Andy Chavez catch for the Cardinals. Crazy, he's going to have a crazy catch. Starling Marte, walk-off home run, going to the World Series. Wow. You Bang. know what? If that happens, you know what? Frankly, look, obviously, I hope the Mets like win the World Series this year. But 
if they make it to the postseason, like I'll be thrilled. Like that would be. I feel like that's the expectation, but I'm still, you know, I'm not going to be one of those fans. that's like World Series or bust because I mean, basically, How, yeah. It's been let's make the playoffs. Ninety nine percent bust we for need our to make lives. The playoffs, baby steps here. I mean, we have yes, and at all, but. A team that didn't make the playoffs the year before can't say World Series or bust. We need to let's. How about we win Thanks. our division? Let's that, that that could be the goal, and then we'll move Thank on. Thank you. Let's win ninety games, then we'll yes. chat. We'll chat yep, after sure. that. Yep. So I agree. Hopefully, yes. I'm looking forward let's, to we'll manifest yeah. it, and then hopefully we're manifesting. Happen. Yeah, maybe in our next episode we can manifest. We can talk about like everything else we'd like to manifest for this season, and then speak it into existence. Hopefully, yep. hopefully Jacob Degrom can win his third Cy Young. That would be amazing. I'm going to speak that into existence. If he's healthy the whole season, he can absolutely do it. I don't Hopefully think there's anyone on on his Scherzer level. And Degrom one two in the Cy Young voting. Either way it goes. I mean, obviously, preferably Degrom. Yeah. obviously he's our guy. Preferably but, Degrom. Scherzer has three already. No complaints. He doesn't if Scherzer need gets one too. That's a really good sign for us. So yes, can you imagine if if they're yeah, that would be great. Anything uh, else we'd like to manifest before we sign off today? Let's let's <laughs> chat about it. why wait. <laughs> Just the division. Win me in the division. I don't care what happens in between. Just get us there, that's, and we'll see what that's happens. What, I would love that. Uh, that would be great. All right. Let's make it happen. Let's do we it. can't wait. But yeah, so I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, we'll be talking to you guys again before opening day. Maybe we'll have some preseason predictions for you like we did last year. But uh, yeah, like keep saying, it's a good time to be a Mets fan. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, let's go Mets.